Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachmim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you uh, for allowing us to gather together this Shabbat. Uh, to rest in your presence, to uh, gather with mishpacha, with family, uh, and holy convocation to worship before you. Father, I pray that as we open up your word today, that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, so that as we move forward leaving this place, we will be able to leave here transformed and ready to impact the world around us with the uh, good news of your kingdom, the good news of Messiah Yeshua, the good news of your salvation that has been given freely for all. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. So, uh, this week uh, we are continuing with a uh, train of thought that we started last week. Um, called, uh, or, uh, it's called Follow the Leader. It's a, ser- a series on discipleship. Um, sorry, my slides were acting a little goofy for a second there. We're good now. Um, but it's, uh, it's called uh, Follow the Leader, a series on discipleship. Most of you uh, who have been here for any real amount of time know that generally speaking, I don't usually uh, do series and I don't usually speak outside of the, the Torah Parsha for the week. Uh, but the Lord put on my heart for this coming year, I guess now this year, we're already in it, uh, for our congregation, for us to, as a community, as uh, mishpacha, as family, to push deeper into this concept of discipleship. Uh, And as we talked last week, um, we realized that most of the body of Messiah for most of the last two, you know, give or take 2,000 years, we've not really been so good at this whole discipleship thing, right? We, we really were not discipled ourselves too well. Um, what discipleship we did get was let's get this done as quick as we can uh, and teach you how to do the things that I tend to do um, versus uh, actually learning how to model our lives after those who model their lives after Yeshua. Uh, most of us, if we're honest about it, have made very little effort ourselves at discipling others. Even though the, the Great Commission, which is one of the last things that Yeshua says before he ascends, uh, one of the last things he says to his Talmudim, his disciples themselves, is to go... Uh, into all the nations and make disciples, uh, immersing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we tend to not really do that so well, right? As we said last week, we usually push that off and relegate it to small group leaders, or we relegate it to men's groups, or we relegate it to the, the rabbi or the pastor or the evangelist or whatever it may be. But we usually are not so good about actually going out and discipling people. And as we've talked quite a bit here, uh, I'm not really a big proponent of the idea that salvations are supposed to occur inside the congregation, inside the synagogue or the church or whatever it may be. That's not to say it can't, and that's not to say it won't, all right? But I believe wholeheartedly that salvation should occur outside in the world, and those people should come in to be transformed from milk to meat. This is where shepherding occurs. This is where uh, growth from milk to meat occurs. This is where we are able to be refilled so that we can go out in the community and fill others with the presence of God, with the Spirit of God. And so we're talking this week on this idea, or this uh, a couple of weeks on this idea of discipleship because it is my heart's desire and I believe a calling from the Lord for our congregation that we realign our focus as individuals on becoming disciples who make disciples 
right? So I want to talk today about what it looks like to be a disciple, right? Because a lot of times we look at that and we're thinking, okay, that means I should probably read the word every so often. I should probably pray every so often. I should probably worship, you know, listen to worship music from time to time or whatever. And if you ask most believers what the believing life looks like, right? You go up to the average believer and you go, hey, what does it look like to be a follower of Yeshua? Most of the time, the response is going to be something like, um, you should probably love people. Um, you should probably be nice to people. Um, you should probably love God. You should, but there's not a lot of depth and answer that we go into, right? So I want to talk today about what it looks like to be a disciple of Yeshua. Right, because that's what we're supposed to be. We talked last week about the the actual definition of a disciple, um, and uh, from the dictionary, it says a disciple is a person, uh, a personal follower of Yeshua during his life, especially one of the twelve apostles. It's also a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. And so, it's important for us to understand that if we are to be disciples of Yeshua, we must follow the leader. We must strive that our lives emulate him. So what does he say about discipleship? If you have your scriptures, I want you to open up to these. It may be a little easier. I'm going to kind of burn through four or five passages real quick. It might be a little easier to jot down the references and come back and revisit them uh, later on. But if you can uh, flip around pretty quick, uh, go ahead and, and pull your Bibles out and follow along with me. This is from Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 37. Matthew 10, beginning with verse 37. It says, he who loves uh, father or mother, and by the way, this is Yeshua speaking. He who loves father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me isn't worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me isn't worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We go forward to Mark chapter 16, verse 24. Then Yeshua said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We go forward to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and keep following me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. And then finally we go to Luke 9, verse 23. Then Yeshua was saying to everyone, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross every day and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And likewise, he also says in another place that uh, in order to follow him, we have to hate our father, mother, sister, and brother, pick up our cross and follow him. Uh, and as we look at this, we recognize Yeshua's not telling us not to love our father and mother. He's not telling us not to love our kids. He's not telling us to literally hate people because in Matthew 5, he makes it very clear that hatred equals murder. If we hate somebody on the inside, we might as well have already slaughtered them on the outside, right? It's a pretty dark and gloomy way to look at it, but that's the reality about it. There's a spiritual implication to this idea. And so what we recognize is that Yeshua's not saying that we're supposed to not love our family or that we're supposed to hate our family, but instead what he's saying is we must be willing to walk away from everything. We must be willing to sacrifice everything to follow him, right? And a lot of you have heard me talk about this before in a Messianic synagogue. Uh, often I, I find that this is one of the few places in the body of Messiah where both Jew and Gentile alike will understand what this means in a very literal sense. 
right? As a Jewish believer, it's not uncommon that when a Jewish person accepts Yeshua as Messiah, their family disowns them. Their family has a funeral for them. Their family puts a casket in the ground for them. Their family completely writes them off and never talks about them. It never talks to them again, right? And so for a Jewish believer, we understand this. In order to follow Yeshua, we have to be willing to give up everything. That doesn't mean we don't love our family. That doesn't mean we don't want to have our relationship with our family. But it means that we love Yeshua more and are willing to give up everything to follow him because he gave up everything to restore us. On the other side of things is, typically speaking, if you're raised in a Presbyterian or a Baptist church or a Methodist church or something like that, and you spontaneously go to a non-denominational charismatic church and that becomes your home, your family may think you're a little weird, but they're still going to invite you over for Easter dinner and Christmas dinner and so on. But the moment you step foot in a Messianic synagogue and start taking part in a Messianic community, all of a sudden you start hearing things like, hey, you got to be careful, that's a cult. You got to be careful. They're Judaizers. You got to be careful. They're going, bringing you back under the law. They're taking you away from grace. They're trying to take you away from Yeshua and so on and so forth. And so it's realistically in a Messianic synagogue that we see both Jew and Gentile not only understand what this means to sacrificially be willing to give up everything in order to follow him, but we also see that it's within a Messianic synagogue that both sides of the discussion are able to find a family of people who are like-minded and walking the same walk with them. That's not to say that you can't experience this in a church, but it is to say that within a Messianic community, we, we tend to find both Jew and Gentile alike a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation for this reality. But as believers, we have to be willing, as followers of Yeshua, as disciples of Yeshua, we have to be willing to walk away from everything and everyone that we have ever known in order to follow him. That doesn't mean that we will have to do so, but we have to be willing to. We have to be willing to give up everything to follow him because there's nothing more important in the world than walking faithfully in relationship with the Lord through the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua. We look at this idea of discipleship and we see countless examples throughout the scriptures like, for instance, Moses and Joshua. Joshua served as almost a mentee, if you would, under Moses for 40 years. For 40 years, he discipled Joshua. Moses discipled Joshua on how to lead the people of Israel. He discipled Joshua on how to walk in faithfulness with the Lord. He discipled Joshua on here to, how to listen to and heed the voice of the Lord. Right? We recognize that Moses went into the tent of meeting. Moses went up on the mountain. Moses encountered uh, the voice of God time and time again. And every time he did, he listened to it willingly. And he followed what it said. Well, most times he followed what it said. There are a few instances where he kind of, you know, beat the rock instead of speaking to its scenario. Um, but, but the reality is, is Joshua walked hand in hand with him and he witnessed this relationship with the Lord. He witnessed what this looked like and he learned lessons both of what to do and what not to do as a follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of the discipleship he modeled. He learned under Moses and he modeled in his own life and then did so, I believe, for others after him who he set up as leaders of Israel from there. We go forward to Elijah and Elisha and we see this idea of a model of discipleship between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah discipled and mentored Elisha and brought him up in a place of faith and relationship with the Lord. And when Elijah left the world, all of a sudden Elisha picked up right where he left off and he did even greater things. We see this example with Yeshua and his disciples, both, <clears throat> excuse me, both the three closest 
or sorry, rather not just both, but all the three closest, the 12 disciples themselves, and then we also read about the 70 disciples that were, went out from there. And so he discipled each of these. There was an intimate personal relationship with each of these that he provided. And in doing so, each of the disciples were able to witness what it looked like to walk in faithfulness with the God of all creation, to see what it looked like to be able to not only witness Yeshua's life, but to be able to model their lives after it. And we see the impact that that had on so many thousands of people after them. We go forward to Paul and guys like Timothy. And we see the exact same relationship as Paul discipled Timothy. And Timothy lived out a life modeled after that, uh, the, the disciple, uh, discipleship life of Paul. And so when we look at this, we realize that discipleship, to be a disciple means we have to model our lives after our, our, our Messiah. We have to model our lives after what his life looked like. Sometimes that literally means we have to be willing to give our life up. Sometimes that means we have to be willing to give up those various parts of our life that we hold dear and important. A disciple is also a servant, a servant of Messiah, somebody who is willing to walk as the hands and feet of Messiah, somebody that is willing to uh, listen to the leading of the Lord and follow what he says. A disciple of Messiah is one who is wholly devoted to Messiah. A disciple of Messiah is one whose thoughts are the thoughts of Messiah. You ever thought about that? We are supposed to subjugate our hearts and our minds to the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Our thoughts should not simply be our thoughts, but our thoughts should be that flowing directly from the heart and mind of God. Our thoughts should be Yeshua's thoughts. He should so wholly and completely permeate our lives that our very thoughts are in alignment with him. When we say that, that prayer that we so fervently love to talk about, our, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it begins with us as disciples. We must align our lives as disciples of Yeshua here on earth with his heart, his mind, his life in heaven. A disciple is one whose love is the love of Messiah. A disciple is one whose voice is the voice of Messiah. And a disciple is one whose hands and feet are the hands and feet of Messiah. I feel like a lot of times we as believers have uh, wholeheartedly and completely relegated this idea of being a disciple of being someone who lives a life and an example that others want to follow and emulate, we've, we've just left that to the roadside and we've put it upon other people. We say the repeat after me prayers of, uh, you know, I'm a sinner and I want to ask for forgiveness and I want to repent and uh, I want to welcome Yeshua into my heart, uh, my heart and my life and I want to go through this water or immersion and then we pick right back up where we left off at before we open our mouth in the first place. And unfortunately for most of the body of Messiah today, you're hard-pressed to see a disciple of Yeshua versus Joe Schmo from down the street of anyone else in the world. Unfortunately, today, the body of Messiah, we do not live lives of discipleship emulated after our master. We live lives that we find a way to conveniently thrust Yeshua into, but that we don't actually have to change who we are and what we do to model him. And the truth of the matter is, is the world around us doesn't need more televangelists that tell people what they're supposed to do, but don't actually do it themselves. What the world needs today, what the kingdom of God needs today is disciples who live and emulate the life of Yeshua here on earth today so that others will see the power and presence of God in their midst 
and want that in their lives. We go to Colossians 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 17. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above. Where Messiah is, sitting at the right hand of God, focus your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, put to, uh, to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, for that is idolatry. Because of such things, God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience. At one time, you also walked in these ways when you used to live in, the way, in these ways. But now set them all aside, anger, rage, malice, slander, and foul language of your mouth, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. After all, you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Put off your old self. Put off the old man so that you can walk faithfully in the new man who has been recreated in the image of one who created him. Here there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and savage, slave and free, but Messiah is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. But above all these things, put, in love, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts. To this shalom you, will surely, uh, you were surely called in one body. Also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly. Not just open it up and read it every once in a while, but let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For most of us as believers, for most of the body of Messiah as a whole, I'm going to make a complete blanket statement here. And if this is something that resonates in your heart, <laughs> today may be a day to change. But for most of the body of Messiah today, the fact of the matter is that what we do in word and deed, we definitely don't do it to the glory of Yeshua. Most of the body of Messiah today, when the world sees us, the last thing they see is Yeshua. But when the world sees us, the first thing they should see is Yeshua. If we are truly disciples of our Messiah, if we are truly walking emulating him if we are truly one with him the world will see him in us and if they don't then we need to realign our lives as disciples of our master paul gives us here in colossians a beautiful image of what being a disciple looks like and he covers a lot of things as we look through it, right? He talks about what we know Paul discussing in other places, the gifts of the Spirit, walking in love and gentleness and compassion and meekness and being humble. We see him talk about not only reading the Word, but living in the Word. It should entirely encompass who we are. He talks about being in prayer constantly. He talks about being in worship faithfully. 
not just when we get together on Saturdays at synagogue or on Sundays at church, but every single waking moment of our lives, we should be in worship and adoration of who our God is and what he has done for us. Because the reality is, is none of us on our own are worth it. But to him, we are worth way more than he ever gave. And he gave all so that he could restore us to him. On our own, we chose to turn our backs from him. On our own, we chose sin over the power and presence of God that we were created to reside in. And yet he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. And you've got to understand that that everlasting life doesn't simply begin when we get through the gates and make it past the judgment seat. But Yeshua says, the kingdom of God is here. We are awaiting the eternal kingdom's descent, but at the same time, the kingdom of God is here because you and I are filled with the power and presence of the King Most High. You and I are filled with His Ruach HaKodesh. You and I are bought by the blood of the Lamb, and you and I are representation of the kingdom of God here on earth, which means we must walk a life of discipleship day in and day out, moment after moment after moment. Now the beauty of being a disciple is recognizing that we're still not going to be perfect. We're still going to mess things up. We're still going to step outside the lines. We're still going to color outside the lines. We're still going to sin. We're still going to make mistakes. But the beauty of being a true disciple, of being one who desires nothing more than to emulate Yeshua, is that a true disciple also recognizes when it's necessary to fall on our faces humbly in repentance, seeking the restoration that he wants to freely give to us. To live as a disciple, we must emulate our master. To do this, we must be in the word faithfully. If the word came and dwelled in flesh and now resides within us, we must be in his word faithfully, daily, and I don't mean just opening it up and reading three or four verses. I don't mean just pulling out the Version app and reading the verse of the day, which, look, that's a great place to start, but it definitely shouldn't be where you are three weeks later, right? Or 10 years later. Uh, you know, many of us are, are walking a life of faith that we've been walking for decades. And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us are probably in the same place we were decades ago when we first came to faith. Or at the very least, we're recycling that place every so often. And we're constantly having to rededicate our lives. You know, I think one of the most beautiful things and one of the most painful things in the body of Messiah is this idea of rededicating our lives because that means that if we have to rededicate it, then we walked outside of dedication. We walked outside of our relationship with him. To live as a disciple, we must be in prayer faithfully. And this doesn't mean, as I said last week, it doesn't mean that we have to talk the whole time. We must listen for the voice of God and sometimes that takes us shutting up sometimes it takes us just sitting back and soaking in his presence and awaiting his voice that still small voice to live as a disciple we must be in worship faithfully to live as a disciple we must sacrificially love like Yeshua we must sacrificially serve like Yeshua we must sacrificially give like Yeshua we must sacrificially live like Yeshua. Every waking moment of our lives, we breathe the breath of life. We breathe his breath in our lungs. Beyond that, 
we have been restored, redeemed, and renewed by the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua and filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, for the purposes of His kingdom, of His good news, of His glory. And every waking moment that we are breathing that breath of life, we should be doing so to the glory of His kingdom and His name and for the good news of Messiah Yeshua. The reality is, as a true disciple, is one who lives a life that not only emulates Yeshua, but emulates Yeshua in such a way that the world around us looks at us and wants what we have. We talk often in the body of Messiah about the world around us being broken. I spoke with a, a lady the other day, some of you may have read about this briefly on the realm, and I didn't go into a lot of detail, but um, I, I had a phone interview with one of the, the writers and editors from the Baldwin Times uh, about the, my book that I released a few months ago. And uh, she was talking to me, and, and I forget how all we, I mean, there was a lot that was said over the course of about an hour, hour and change conversation. But we were talking, and as we were talking, um, you know, we, I was answering her questions, kind of talking about the book some. And, uh, and she goes, well, let me ask you this. You're talking about the walking of the Holy Spirit, living this out, and so on. And she goes, well, is this even really possible today? Or is it a lost battle already? Have we already lost this fight and should just write, out, write off hope? Can we actually do this today? And I said, well, let me give you a very simple example of what this looks like. And I talked about Matthew 5 and Yeshua saying, if you've uh, hated somebody, you've already committed murder in your heart. If you've lusted after somebody, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And I said, he tells us very clearly in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible, that hatred and murder, lust and adultery are all wrong. That's all already covered. He's not giving us anything new here. And he's not saying as long as you don't hate somebody, you can go chop off people's heads all you want. And he's not saying as long as you don't lust after them, you can go do whatever you want. What he's saying is for every external sin, there's an internal temptation or internal sin that predicates it. And he says, if you let me reside on the inside and handle the internal, the external can never fail you. If we wholly submit our hearts and our lives to the power and presence of God within us, our external cannot sin. So when we sin, which we're going to, when we sin, it's because we did not wholly give that part of our life over to the Lord. And I said, if we are walking in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, then not only do we have that word made flesh residing within us, but we have the power and the ability to walk faithfully in that word made flesh in our hearts and our lives. And we don't have to worry about the external because the internal is covered. And she went, oh, that's really cool. That's really awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't talk. And so we were talking a little further and she had mentioned that she doesn't really go to, to, to church or anything anywhere because when she reads the Bible and she looks at most churches, she doesn't really see. Uh, and, and by the way, this, I'm saying church because this was the conversation we had. And what she meant by church was the body of Messiah, which unfortunately also in, includes us, right? We fall guilty of these same issues. She said, when I read the Bible and then I look at most believers today, I don't see people doing what the Bible says do. When I look at what churches are doing, how they're living, how they're teaching, I don't see the Bible in that. When I read the Bible, I'm not seeing this in what's being done and said there. And I said, you know, the, the fact of the matter is you're not wrong. We're human. We're going to mess up and we're going to be wrong. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. I said, let me give you a prime example. And she goes, what? I said, personally, and we hadn't, we, we, she kind of loosely commented towards some kind of political slants here and there, and, but nothing, nothing specific. And I said, personally, I'm a very conservative person. 
in terms of my, my political opinions and such. I'm a very conservative person. I said, for example, I'm entirely against abortion, wholeheartedly against abortion. I think it's wrong. I think it shouldn't happen. I think it's disgusting that as uh, humanity that we allow these things to occur. I am absolutely against abortion. I said, but at the same time, I think we have a major problem in the body of Messiah that we think we can legislate the world to live like the Bible says, especially in a world where they don't see the followers of the Bible living like the Bible says. I don't think we can legislate morality. I don't think we can legislate faith. I said the, the, the problem is that we're still, the body of Messiah is still fighting battles that we've already lost. We're not going to win. They're gone. They're done away. We can't fix the abortion issue. It is too big. I said, but the reality is, is imagine if the time, money, resources, and energy that is spent by the body Messiah on fighting against this legislative reality of abortion, imagine if we took that, all of that resource and energy and time, and we really started using it the way God wants it used, which is we start trying to reach young people before there's ever a need to think about whether or not abortion is an option. Imagine if, God forbid, the body of Messiah actually went to young ladies who have had abortions, and instead of shunning them, we went, you know what? Let us help you find healing. Because I haven't met someone that's had an abortion yet that isn't broken from it. Let me help you find healing. Imagine if we went to young ladies who are pregnant and instead of shunning them because they got pregnant and instead of shunning them because they're, you know, the, 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 they're uh, uh, having you know, sex outside of marriage or whatever else, imagine if we went to them and we actually showed the love of Messiah. Because you know what? They're broken just like we are broken, just like we have been broken. How about we reach them with the heart of Messiah, with the love and compassion of Messiah? How about we reach their hearts where they're at. said, so how about we reach out to young men before they have the opportunity to go and spread their seed everywhere? Haphazardly and with lack of concern whatsoever, how about we reach young men and we train them to be men who follow after God's own heart and we reach their hearts with the power of the living God? How about we chase after deadbeat dads and we reach them in their brokenness with the power of God and bring restoration to them and their children? How about instead of fighting battles that we've already lost and we cannot win, we start fighting the battles that we're supposed to be fighting all along that we've already been given the victory in? Imagine how much different the world could be if we as disciples of Messiah actually lived out his example in the world around us and the power of the Holy Spirit. And she goes, you know, I just need to tell you, I am extremely liberal. She said, I think she said she was from the Northeast, maybe, I don't remember exactly, but she said, I'm extremely liberal. And, and in terms of political opinions, I'm on the exact opposite of the plane from where you are. She goes, but I can get behind this. She goes, I believe you're right. This is the solution. Which, by the way, I think I finally figured out how to fix the Republican-Democrat issue we just you know the lord but um <laughs> but the reality is is when we truly walk in the power and presence of god and we care more about the hearts of people than we do about being right right yeshua 
Yeshua was down in the dirty with everyone that was horrible in the world around us. He walked away from the people that thought they were righteous and he cared most in terms of his ministry about those that the rest of the world had written off. One of his disciples, one of his right-hand guys was a tax collector for the Roman Empire. And if you go back and look at Greco-Roman history and their control over the Middle East, that was a horrible job that everybody hated. Everybody. It was the worst possible job you could have because it was viewed as you were taking advantage of your own people. One of his right-hand dudes was a tax collector that everybody else thought was a terrible, horrible person. And he goes, you know what? On your own you are, but come here, let me fix that. Let me fix your brokenness. Imagine if we as disciples began to live our lives modeled after our Messiah. This is what discipleship is about. It's not just teaching people how to open their Bible and read it. It's not just about telling people that they should pray every day. It's not just about uh, telling people that they should worship. It's not just about telling people what they should or shouldn't do in their lives, but it's modeling the life of Messiah and the world around us. If we want to be disciples who make disciples, we must first become disciples of the one who first made disciples. We must become an emulation of our master. We must become models of his life here on earth. In closing, Matthew 22, verse 34, but the Pharisees, when they heard that Yeshua had silenced the Sadducees, gathered together in one place and testing him, one of them, a lawyer, asked teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Torah? And he said to him, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, or with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The entire Torah and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And the reality is, is if we are walking in the emulation of Messiah, love will permeate everything we do. And in that love, we will actually be able to reach people. But when we're the type of quote-unquote disciple that wants to constantly point out where people are wrong, that wants to constantly point out people's brokenness, that wants to constantly beat down on people instead of uplifting them and teaching them how to walk as Messiah walked, we will never truly be able to understand what discipleship really looks like. Next week, we're going to talk about how we as disciples can be disciples who make disciples and what it looks like to make disciples, what it looks like to actually disciple people to model their lives after Yeshua. Keep in mind, first it begins with us modeling our lives after him. But next week we're gonna talk about how to, uh, to model that for other people's lives. And when we get into that, you're gonna notice that the most important factor is this very reality. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And through this, all of the rest of discipleship filters. Through this, all of the rest of the word of God filters. And through this, our relationship with God should filter. And then from there, in the coming weeks, we are going to, as a community, begin a discipleship training course. Because as a congregation, we are going to be shifting our focus to making disciples, to seeing people come to faith, and as I said last week, I don't care if any of them ever step foot in this building. I care about see people, seeing people make it in the kingdom. If those people filter into churches in the area, more power to them, and I pray that they're a phenomenal blessing there. And I pray that they are blessed there. And if they filter in here, that is awesome. 
but I want to see us become a people who care about the kingdom of Messiah growing, not just caring about our kingdom. I want to see us become a congregation of people hungry to see the world hungry to follow Messiah, hungry to emulate Him, and hungry to experience Him. Avarachamim, Father of mercies, we worship You, we love You, and we adore You. Father, I thank You that You are gracious that you were loving, that you were forgiving. Father, I thank you that your word reminds us over and over and over again that you are a God who desires nothing more than relationship with us, that desires nothing more than to be in relationship with us. Father, I thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son that we may be restored from our horrible, despicable, lowly, sinful ways, restored into the emulation of Messiah Yeshua through whom we were first created. Father, I thank you that in your healing, our brokenness, you've called, called us to bring healing to the broken of the world around us. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen. <laughs>